have sent a, a team to Haiti uh, that's helping to build uh, a particular, is helping with the school building. They left four days ago, and we, I hadn't really heard anything about it, about how things were going. They had an emergency number, and that was it. And uh, I finally got a communication. We got a communication from them last night. We know a lot of you have been praying for them, and we asked you to keep praying for them. But they basically said this, uh, the language school is taking shape, 17 columns framed and hand poured, one bucket of cement at a time, hundreds of buckets a day, 30 more columns to go. These columns will support the roof of a school that will serve over 1,000 students a day when it opens the first building on 10 acres of hope for this region. And you can see back there um, the team, part of the team that we sent with some of the, the locals that are there as well. And in fact, you may also notice that this group is especially important, beyond the importance that it already represents, just being our, our own church sending them out. But there's a lady in the middle there in green, in the green shirt. That's my wife right there. <laughs> and, uh, and then right next to her is my oldest daughter and with the, with the hat on there. And, uh, you know, uh, I, again, haven't had a chance to talk to them, so uh, we, we told them all uh, we'd be praying for them and asking God to just not only use them, but to bless them and, and to keep them safe and to bring them home. So in a way, they're, they're representing our whole community out there. We're really proud of that. But I'm going to pray. I'm really looking forward to sharing uh, this word with you. Uh, my prayer is that will be a hope, hopeful message that will strengthen us. So it's not only a beginning for us, because it's like we're starting in a, a movement that's designed to get us to Easter and to the cross. And we're going to be looking at different pieces uh, connected to fear. And um, hopefully just we'll get more and more momentum built for that, that special moment in, in, our, in our year, but uh, in which we just really acknowledge the, the significance of the love of God in Christ in the cross and in the, the meaning of the, tomb, the empty tomb and, and the hope of life. But all those things aside, the focus is going to be on facing our fears. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk about that uh, in a little bit here. But let me go ahead and pray. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for uh, this day already. Um, this entire weekend has been great to just be able to look at this passage and to be able to start this series off. And I want to ask that you would, though, uh, meet us where we are. Each one of us has our own story. Each one of us has different aspects of our own life that we're having to work through or we're challenged by or we're thinking about or we're anticipating or maybe some of us, we came in uh, pretty, pretty worn down, beat up, maybe even a little bit of pain. And so I want to ask that by the time that we're done, that there would be a, a sincere movement of, of your presence among us that would produce a kind of encouragement that would cause us to be more courageous in the way in which we're facing things and uh, to have more faith and to be less, less bound by our fears. So we just uh, submit this time to you, pray that your words would be alive. I thank you for everyone who's here in this house. Pray blessing and life in Jesus' name. Amen, God. All right, the message is on um, fear and the storm. And, uh, you know, for those, it's been noted by those who calculate such things that the Bible contains about 125 commands that Jesus gave. So there's about 125 recorded commands of Jesus. And of those 125, about 21 of them urge us to either not be afraid, to fear not, uh, not fear, to be of good cheer, or to be of good courage. And so that's a pretty significant grouping when you really think about it, Jesus talking about fear and courage, especially be not afraid. So the fear nots of Christ, we often talk about them. We're going to look at one uh, today. But if you think about it in this sense, that the second most frequent command recorded in all the, the scripture of Jesus is to love the Lord your God, to love God with all of your heart and to love your neighbor and 
that command um, to love God and love your neighbor is the second most frequent command of Jesus. It's, it's recorded eight times. So, I mean, if frequency means anything, and I think it does at some level, then the fact that Jesus talks so much about fear and needing courage to face things and to have faith, uh, but especially be not afraid, uh, I think it really does speak to his understanding of the human frame, the human condition. The fact is that a lot of us uh, are confronted by things that, that challenge us, that make us afraid, that uh, sometimes even stop us in our tracks. And we're going to look at one of those things that Jesus um, help the disciples move through, and then we're going to draw some things and hopefully apply it to our lives as well. So let's just kind of jump in here. Uh, Mark 4, verse 1, what we're going to be doing in the weeks ahead is just taking snapshots out of the life of Christ where he talks about to not being afraid and to fear not. And here, But I'm going to set it up a little bit by having us just look at the first verse of Mark 4 because it sort of creates a setting for us to understand what's happening. He says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. Now, the lake shore is the Sea of Galilee. It's often called the Sea of Galilee, although it's a lake, um, you know, a Gennesaret sometimes called because in the Hebrew it, it sort of has the shape of a harp. Uh, but the idea is the Sea of Galilee is a place where so much of the Bible and the ministry of Christ takes place. And we're given this really beautiful picture that if we can see it in our mind's eye, Jesus is on the lake shore. There is a very large crowd that's soon gathering around him. And he gets into a boat so that he can pull away from the crowd and speak with sort of a natural amplification to the multitude of people who have gathered to hear him. And it's very picturesque. And then it says he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. Now, I think many of us kind of know where the Sea of Galilee is. But periodically, I think it's helpful from a geographical standpoint just to get a sense of the context. So we just put up a little map. You can see they've really blown up the Sea of Galilee so that everyone can see it. Um, but you can see where it is in relation to the Mediterranean Sea, and you see where Israel is today. You see Jerusalem, which is so much in the news. And, of course, every now and then it's good to see. You see where the Dead Sea is, where the Jordan River empties out, where, and we see also the Sea of Galilee, right? And the Sea of Galilee is in the north, um, northern region of Israel. And that's where a lot of the things we read about in Jesus' ministry take place. And we're told here that it was while they were making their way across from one side of the Galilee to the other. In fact, I'll just put up a couple of pictures that sort of give us a little context modern-wise. You get really to see how big it is. I've been there a couple of times now. I've been an opportunity to do that. And there's something about smelling and feeling and just the very place that Jesus walked and where the disciples were, where so much of what we read about takes place. And even in this little last shot here, you can get a sense of whether it's the ending of a storm or the beginning of one, how it sort of the, the sea takes on a mood all its own. And uh, this was an example of that. And we know that there was a situation that occurred. It started out on a beautiful day, we, we can assume, where Jesus is teaching. And then he makes, uh, makes a decision to cross to the other side of the Galilee, the other side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, the lake. And when he does that, we're told of an incident that occurs. Let's read about it together. It says in verse 35 that as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although we're told that other boats were following. And uh, it says, though, that soon there was this um, fierce storm that came up. And there were just high waves breaking into the boat. 
and it began to actually fill up with water. And that was a very dangerous thing to have happen. The, the, the word that we translate storm here, fierce storm with the high waves, Mark, when Mark translates this word, it is something that indicates something terrifying, uh, almost an intense, dark, wind-filled squall that uh, is just you know, having leaping waves. And, and again, we think of the sea as very tranquil, but we know that when the winds would come over the mountains, even the hills, that they could come with very little warning. And all of a sudden, the, the very placid Sea of Galilee could turn into this, like, it's like a bowl being shaken. And it would just be a, a temptuous place uh, where it could be extremely precarious. And, and fishermen knew that, and they were aware of it. But this seems to be a particularly devastating storm that hit them without warning. And, Matthew's, and Matthew has the same storm, and he has the same account. And when he, he refers to it, the word that he uses in the ancient Greek is a different word. It's the word seismos. And it's, if you, some of us may recognize that. You know, when we think of a seismologist, someone who studies earthquakes, what, what Matthew is saying is that this was not just any storm. It was an extraordinarily uh, powerful storm that hit, and it was like, almost like the sea itself was quaking. So it's intense. That's the picture we're being given. And you got to remember, the disciples, a lot of them, uh, at least more than a few of them, Peter, Andrew, James, John, by trade prior to coming to Jesus, they were fishermen on this lake. That was their place of vocation. It's where they had grown up. They were not afraid of the sea. They were not uh, unfamiliar with its um, tendencies and, if I could put it this way, its moodiness. In fact, I've been reading a book on the you know, seas and oceans take on uh, sort of characters. I don't know how many of us may have noted there was a book written recently on the Atlantic Ocean, and it was talking about the mood of the Atlantic and how it has its kind of own character, this, this ocean, this vast ocean. And, and the Sea of Galilee had its own character. It was known for its moodiness. But the fishermen like Peter and James and John and Andrew would not have normally been afraid, and yet they were clearly intimidated by what was happening to such a degree that we know that they were actually very scared. They were, they, were, they were concerned. They had seen things like this, and they had enough experience to know that if this, this was putting them in a place of serious jeopardy, they were in peril, they were concerned. So when you get hardy veterans of the sea, men of the water, who are now actually panicking in absolute fear that we may not make it, it's a real deal. And that's the picture we're given here, that they're absolutely uh, concerned that they're all going to go down. Now, contrast that with what it says happens in it, to what Jesus is doing in verse 38. It's, it's fascinating. It's a great contrast. It says, while all this is happening, Jesus is sleeping at the back of the boat. Now, the back of the boat, usually the stern had a, a deck. Underneath that deck, and it wasn't a big one, it had a little like area that, where they would put the ballast. The ballasts were typically in their day uh, about 100-pound bags of sand that they would place strategically at the, in the stern to keep, keep the uh, boat uh, from losing a lot of its ability to control. So that the weight was allowed it to sort of be stabilized. I think we understand that all of us need ballast in our lives. We all need things that stabilize us, lest we become vulnerable to uh, this instability that often is going, when things are going uh, around us in chaotic ways. That the ability to have a sure foundation, a ballast of sorts, a centering point, a place that keeps us with enough weight to hold, our, hold, our, hold ourselves is a great blessing. It's one of the reasons why we talk about the life in Jesus of, of, of having the ability to sustain us through difficult times. 
because it, it presents us with the ability to stabilize at a core level. But having said that, you know, we're, we're watching what's happening. It says that the, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And that cushion is not really a pillow or a cushion. It probably was the ballast itself. It was those bags of sand being used as a, as a kind of pillow. And uh, it's, it appears that Jesus was unfazed by the entire, it must have been a really long day for him. I, I'm jesting right now. It was a joke. It was a semi-joke. He, he was sleeping. I mean, the fact is, two things are astonishing here. One, that he's asleep. How could he be sleeping through this? And, you know, in fact, the disciples are caught off guard as well. I mean, they're, well, they, they're incredulous. They can't believe it. What, what are you doing? How could, one, how could you be sleeping? Two, why are you sleeping? Don't you realize what's happening here? Now, I, I'm reading Max Lucado. He's a great writer. He describes this moment now. He says it, he puts it this way. He's got a really unique way of phrasing things. He says, now there's a scene for you. Jesus asleep in the boat while the storm is hitting the disciples. Here he, he says this. He says, the disciples scream, while Jesus dreams, thunder roars, and Jesus snores. <laughs> I think that's very clever. And it's a great picture, right? But the bottom line is, while Jesus is sleeping away in the middle, they are clearly panicked because, what does it say? They run up to him, and they say, they, they, they're shouting. It says they're shouting at him. They're shouting, Jesus, Master, wake up. Don't you care? Look what it says. Don't you care that we're about to drown? Don't you understand? We're about to die here. This is bad. Wake up. It's a big deal. They're panicked. They're, they're, and their question is rhetorical, isn't it? It's not like, don't you understand? It's like, you, we, are, we are in big trouble. How can you be asleep at a time like this? It doesn't seem like Jesus is that phase. And in fact, he's, while they're all saying, we're about to die. And again, they were not exaggerators. They were not afraid of the sea. But they had seen this storm, and they understood what it meant when you started taking on water. And they said, Lord, do you understand? We're about to die here. You need to get up. And as they rouse Jesus up, what occurs next is one of the most remarkable explosions of, of, the, of the power of Jesus that is revealed in all the scriptures. It's one of those rare moments that stands out where he even steps beyond the law of nature. And look what it says happens. It's just kind of let it settle with us. It says that Jesus woke up and then he, he evidently gets up and he rises and he rises up to the deck and it says that he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, or in the older version, peace, peace. Silence, be still. And it says in that moment that suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And all the wind and everything else that was happening, and it was almost, if we can put it this way, it must have seemed to the disciples, based on what they were, how they respond next, it must have almost seemed eerie. Like, wow. And notice what it says here. And then he, but before they could even react, it says that he turned to them and he says, why are you so gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Implied, where is your faith in me? Powerful moment. Well, do you still have no faith? Do you still, almost like he's saying, it's almost like when he says, do you still have no faith? It's almost like he says, now do you believe? Now do you believe? See, they had, they had followed Jesus. They, they had made a decision. A lot of these guys had made a decision that they believed, because they believed he was a rabbi, he was a great teacher. They, were, they believed he could even be Messiah. In fact, it's clear that they believed he was the one. And they no, did not doubt that. They had, they had made a commitment that evidenced that belief and conviction because they had left their occupations to attach themselves to Jesus. And yet they had never seen anything like this. They were not prepared. It was so... 
incredible for them that they, it were, they're recorded as saying, and the, look at verse 41, the disciples were absolutely, it's an interesting phrase, it says they were absolutely terrified. So their feet, they, they, were, they went from being absolutely terrified they were going to drown to witnessing something that they had never seen before and it, it, it didn't fill them like with, oh my goodness, this is amazing. They were, they were scared. They had never seen such a display. They said to one another, what kind of, Kind of a man, what kind of a man is this? Who is this man? That he could, that when he, he speaks, the winds and the waves even bow to his words. They never see anything like it. They were scared. Now, keeping that in mind, you know, we often we often talk about uh, the storms of life here at Cornerstone. We, we, we kind of it's part of our vernacular. We talk about the storms as being those disruptive places in life where we're hit with something that knocks us off that we weren't expecting, weren't anticipating, and all of a sudden we find ourselves, and what we're basically talking about is we're in the middle of a problem, a big problem, or we're facing a challenging season in our lives, or something happens and now we're having to deal with it and it's really hard. In fact, we're, sometimes we're in pain or we're really angry or we're afraid of, of how we're gonna deal with this thing. It's a storm, it hits us. We talk about how the storms of life come and they often come without any warning and they disrupt our world. Some of us might be having to walk through a storm right now and nobody knows it, or very few people. We could be sitting next to someone and we may not even know to what degree the, the level of struggle that is going on right now and how hard it was even for them to even get to church today, how much courage it took to rise up and walk through those doors. The, the point being is that a lot of us face storms in life and when they come, you know you're in one. Sometimes they come without warning. Sometimes the storms are a product of our own choices. We did it. We look at it. We go, man, this is a product of something. I did. This is what happens when I did this. And now I got, I'm in the middle of a bad thing and I got to deal with it. And because of choices I made. There are other times where we're in a storm, a crisis, a scary place in life because we're, we're connected to somebody else and their choice is, is affecting our life in a big way. Or their situation is something that because we care for them and it's affecting us or because we're connected. Again, it might even happen on our job or on a friendship. But the bottom line is this. There are some times where we find ourselves in a stormy place because of choices we've made. Sometimes it's because of choices other people make. And then sometimes it's just because we live in a precarious world, a broken place where things happen on this side that affect us. And sometimes we get affected in a broad way because of something that happens in the global economy or something that's happening on our, in our, with our company that we work for. And we're affected by that. Sometimes it has to do with things that we had absolutely no control over whatsoever, but we're having to deal with it. We're in the middle of a storm. And I'll tell you, and this is where I'm gonna, I would like us to just sort of sit with this as we, as we take that reality when we play it out and this is going to sound, this will be the first thing we'll put up here. It's going to sound almost like uh, I'm stating the obvious, but I think it's worth noting. And when it comes to storms, I think the storms of life can often seem overwhelming to us when they come. And again, the, the, the sense that, wow, this is, this is really bad. And this is trouble. And I'm going to have to deal with this. You know, again, some things are so big that they just stop us in our tracks and everything else that we're doing has to sort of come to a halt or is affected because this is a big issue and I've got to deal with it. And this is a stormy time in my life. That happens. But I think, you know, a lot, and there are also storms in life where, you know, it's, how can I say it? Um, sometimes it's not a big thing. It's just like uh, 
a lot of little things or middle-sized things start happening all at once. And so all of a sudden, you know, I got this little problem over here, and I'm trying to take care of it, and then another one breaks out over here, and then I've got another one back here, and all of a sudden, a bunch of these little things that I'm trying to and, and hold together. And then right when we think, well, I'm about to stretch as far as I, I can go here, you know, and then all of a sudden, we're hit again with another thing, and it can really get hard at times, you know, catches us off. And we start to feel, it's not like we're getting the big hit, but we're feeling the weight of a kind of how could, a relentlessness of trouble that seems to be flying at us. And so like one thing after another, if we've ever been there, you know what I mean. Now, again, it might be something as simple as, you know, a bill that we weren't expecting comes in. I, I forgot about that, and I was already extending, oh my goodness, I got to take care of that. It might be something that's happening on the job that we can see this is going to be a problem. Uh, it might be somebody, you know, scratches our car or somebody, or we get a ticket two minutes late, some meter person lacking mercy. <laughs> <laughs> and now, man, that's it. When you get hit with a ticket, man, it can really, it can really uh, challenge your optimism, I'll tell you, for the day. <laughs> And then, you know, or if something happens like, um, you know, when your wife's away in Haiti <laughs> and you get called into jury duty tomorrow <laughs> and you're going, oh, this is not a good time. This is not a good time. And it's like all those things start to build up. And I was thinking about yesterday, you know, and again, just to kind of put it into place here, it's just like, you know, on, I'll just be open with you on, on Saturdays, uh, now for a number of years, because I do majority of the, the communications and the speaking here, and, and that's a great privilege, by the way, in my opinion, uh, one that I take seriously. And I try to say, Lord, I need to get, by around Saturday, in the, is a few hours into the day, I'm trying to get myself alone in my thoughts. Try not to schedule a lot of stuff if I can. Try to stay in a good place, really. Not distracted, not, I just, just trying to be focused and listening for the voice of the Lord. And so this Saturday, you know, I was just getting, getting ready for this weekend. And I found myself a, a spot. I was sitting kind of in the sun near the house, and uh, no one's around. And I'm just going over the message. And I'm saying, Lord, you know, I'm just talking to the Lord. You know, I just, I really feel like this is going to be a, an encouraging word for some people. And just really, oh, I want to be able to say this right. And should, you know, I'm just kind of going back and forth in my mind and looking over some notes in the past. And just, just, and um, so I am getting myself ready to go to, to get ready for, for the afternoon. And all of a sudden, I get a call. And the call's from uh, one of my kids. And uh, it was not a son. And it was not the daughter who's in Haiti. <laughs> so... I get, I, get, I get this call, and basically it says, Dad, I, I, I have a little problem here. Um, you know, and again, I'm trying to just stay in a good place. And um, I said, well, you know, she had stayed over at a friend's house that night before, and, and, and I said, and had gone you know, out and was fine with that, you know, had gone to a restaurant. And she says, Dad, I, it looks like um, I may have lost my wallet. I think I lost my wallet. I think I left it at the restaurant, and now it's gone. And I said, oh, that's, did you, did you, what did you have in it? And she goes, well, I didn't have much anything, but I did have my debit card in it. And I go, well, that's, that's not good. That's not good because um, I go, we need, to, we need to put a stop. She goes, that's why I'm calling you. Can, you. can you go right away 
and uh, put a stop on it at the bank right now. And and um, because um, we went to look for it and I couldn't find it, and, and so I said, oh, I really don't want. I no. Well, I don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I <laughs> saw. <laughs> It's like, okay, so you know, I go there and I end up spending a lot of time. The bottom line was people had made charges on that in a, in a very small amount of time. Uh, some, you can use, evidently, you can use a debit card in certain places uh, without having access to certain information. And, and they had already, which is really good. They had all, this, is, this might be falling under the category of too much information right now, but. <laughs> They had already actually flagged it out, and uh, they worked with me. And by the time we were done, it was great. It actually ended up being uh, okay. But the bot and there had been a lot of charges. There had been some charges made on it, but it had it worked out. But the bottom line is, I had a huge. It was like the I didn't want that interruption. That was that was a, a, a pull me off track kind of thing. Was I was trying to go here and stay in here and be open and ready and safe, and all of a sudden, life interrupted that. Now, that was just like a, that wasn't a storm. That was like an, an irritation, like a little minor, little you know, wind blowing in your face or something. It was a little minor thing. But you know what, you get those things adding up, but it, that's, it, can, it can start to take a toll on you, and I get that. But I am gonna say this, there are big things, and when they hit us, they rock us. And I put in the handout here a quote from one, another writer that I really love. He's a guy named Gordon McDonald, and that's the quote there. He writes some really wonderful life reflection and practical stuff. And in one of his books called The Life God Blesses, he wrote this about crises, so these troubled places in our lives, these stormy places in life. And he says, crises suggest a period of life when we discover that all of our battery of strength so carefully masked in better times are inadequate. The, the crisis may be of our own making, or it may be the convergence of Unpredictable events that we could not see coming before it was too late, a, a cancer diagnosis, a betrayal by a friend, an economic downturn that stifles a career, a severe accident, the death of someone we dearly love, things that stop us in our tracks. But the phrase that caught me was that phrase on the top. There are these moments, these stormy places, these crises that we realize that all of our battery of strength that we have so carefully massed in better times they are actually inadequate for what we're having to deal with. That's what we're talking about. Some, the ones that hit us, and sometimes we feel like the disciples on the waters, you know, it started out like so good. I mean, it was like a great, we just were gonna make a quick trip across the Sea of Galilee. Good, sun was out, it's nice evening, set well. Waves, no waves, clear, good, nice little breeze. Everybody's feeling really good, and then all of a sudden, like in life, we're just, all of a sudden we're just hit. It's like the storm comes, the wind shoots right over the hill. All of a sudden now we're in it, we're in it, and things are falling apart, and we're fighting just like they were for, for our life. And there are these times when we're hit so hard with so, many, so much desperation in us that there's a part of us that, that starts to cry out, Lord, if this, if this keeps going on the way that it's going on, if it keeps going on like it's been going, I'm not sure I'm gonna make it. I'm not sure, I, I, I'm getting worried. Lord, help me do that place. I don't know how much of this I can take. Now, when, well, I'll tell you what makes it even worse is the second piece, is that sometimes it may seem, seem, or we may feel, key, like God doesn't care. 
Isn't that the exact reaction that the disciples had? I mean, look at what they did. When they went to Jesus, they, they basically, they, Jesus is sleeping, right? And so they, they come up to him, Jesus, well, maybe they didn't do that. They said, Jesus, well, you know, right? Wake up. Don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? Doesn't it bother you? See, what does fear, fear do? Fear has a way of eroding our confidence in God's care. Fear has a way of eroding our confidence in God's care. And in other words, we start to question God's goodness. Like, where are you, Lord? Why aren't you showing up for me? I'm asking you to help me. I need this prayer answered. This is hard. This is, I'm in trouble. The water's coming in. These way, this is bad. I mean, where are you? You're like sleeping. Wake up. Do something. As, you know, again, like Lucado said, he says, getting on board with Christ doesn't mean that we're not going to sometimes get soaked with Christ. There are times where we, we are not exempt from the storms of life. There are times when the storm, some storms will miss because we're applying God principles and those principles of wisdom are going to keep us from certain trouble spots that we would have gotten ourselves into in the past. But because we're living a different kind of life, we're ordering it in a different way. We make better decisions. That is understandable. But the fact is there are still storms we find our way into or that find their way to us. And in those places... That's when we need to remember that Jesus did not say that if you follow me, I guarantee you will never have a storm. What he said was, I guarantee you this, I will never abandon you. I will always be with you, always. That is a big deal. And the key, this is number three, the key as Jesus suggested then is to what? It is to check our fears and it is to cultivate faith. That is to enlarge our trust and to diminish our fear. Easier said than done especially when things look bad and bleak. I remember coming across a, a quote from Woody Allen. Made me laugh. Guy's, guy's got an unusual sense of humor. He's also a great director. He's got a film, I think it's one of the films that, are gonna be a nom- that have been nominated as well, but Woody Allen is kind of noted for his unusual humor, often cynical, despair- very despairing. It's kind of interesting kind of humor, very wry. It almost has a grim humor to it. I really like that kind of humor. My wife hates it. Um, so it's funny because when I shared with her this quote, because I was thinking about the bleakness of having no good option. And I came around this and I go, oh, this is hilarious. Hon. Let, me, let me share this. She goes, that's not funny. I don't see that. That's not funny. I go, yes, yeah, it's funny. It's great. Well, here it is. You judge, all right? All right. He said, this is what Woody Allen said about when we're, when we're brought into certain places in life. He says, we're at a crossroads. He goes, one path leads to despair and utter hopelessness, the <laughs> utter other path to total extinction. I pray that you have the wisdom to choose wisely. <laughs> I mean, I th- now see, for me, that's like, <laughs> that's like, well, that's all those are, you know why it feels, well, that's not funny. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. There's no good option there. I mean, I got, I got one utter despair and hopelessness and the other one total extinction. Choose well. You know, it's like... <laughs> And yet we find ourselves in these situations where we can see, that's all I've got. And I'm going to say this, for a follower of the Lord, there, and, and this is true for really for anyone who will, there is always a third option. And that's to trust Jesus. That's to trust God. And I'm trying to make the case that that's the one we need to take. I'm going to say this, that in those places where we feel like no decision for me is good, that we get to decide if I'm going to trust you, God, with what I'm afraid of, and I'm going to trust you with my future. 
I'm going to trust you with it. But help me to do it. Help me to trust you. I know you're in the boat with me. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to trust you. Help me not to be afraid. Because you know, let, me see what, let me tell you what happens. When we're afraid, we do foolish things. In our, in our, a lot of people, out of their fear, become very reckless. I, I was close to someone in the early part of my life who, when they would get afraid, it would come out as anger. And I didn't understand it, but it would come out as anger but it was really fear. And sometimes that anger would come, become physical. But it was really a fear inside that was driving that anger. Because when it was a situation, and that was an interesting exp- way to express it. It was the wrong way. It was an unhealthy way. But I, I, I've, I realized that some people, when, we, when we're afraid of things, we start to pull back. We start to close down our world. We shrink up. We cut people off. We start getting uh, very depressed and discouraged. And we're... we're sort of walking around defeated and we're afraid and we don't want to reach out to people and, and bad things are going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. This is what always happens. And we kind of can become a... Anyway, the point is then there are other times where some of us, we express it recklessly. We, some people get angry when they're afraid. Other people start getting desperate and panicky, just like the disciples were. And then, and then they start, start doing stuff. I mean, people go back into our old past. Sometimes when we're afraid, we start falling back into patterns of behavior. Sometimes we get stuck and we go back to things to try to mask our, our fear. And so we, we do things that are destructive for us. We start going back to patterns of behavior that they're not going to bring any good from them at all. People get reckless relationally, start dropping back into old habits, trying to cover the fear. I mean, that's not the, that is not the way of the Lord. The Lord calls us to a different path. Remember I said this a couple weeks ago. We said change is inevitable. Things are swirling about all the time. We don't control them. But growth is optional. Change is inevitable. Growth is optional. We decide. I was talking to a young man. I'll just be very quickly about this. He, we were saying, I was saying, you know what? I was saying, a lot of us never, never have had father figures that showed us how to model for us what it looks like to, to live courageously. And I'm not just... Just, I've, just, I've just become more and more aware of how many times I run into people who they just didn't get that. And what a gap it leaves in one's life when we don't see models. And Jesus shows us how to move through things with courage and faith and trust to not make foolish, reckless, reactive, panic-filled decisions that only defer a problem Instead, to learn the blessing of walking through things and growing in our, through our fears and learning how to trust God. It becomes a practice of life. Last thing I'll say, and it is this, that he is still the one who, and we'll just leave it here, he is still the one who calms the storm. And I, I will say that there, there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to find out that, that we, just, we just need to trust him. Because we're going to see that, Lord, it's, the, the real issue here isn't what's happening. It's actually not. The real issue is what's happening inside of me because of what's happening around me. The real issue is here. How am I going to walk through this? Because even the worst can be a, a miracle waiting to happen if we remember he's with us. He's with us. Some of us have a storm going on inside. 
May he speak peace to that storm. Peace in the Lord's name. Some of us are really afraid of some things. May he bring peace into our situation. May we are afraid of what's happening in the days ahead. May he bring peace to us. Peace in Christ. The song that we're closing with is not just something we picked casually. We picked it for a reason. I'm going to share it. It's a beautiful word. It's an ending. It's an appropriate ending. It's a good word, a benediction, if you will. It's, it's called It's All Right. And I would, this is what I would like for some of us to just receive it in these closing minutes. For some, the, and the first stanza is a direct connect to what we just looked at with Jesus. You know, tiny boat on an angry sea, sails torn and tattered. How could Jesus be fast asleep? Like, like it doesn't even matter. Soon as he opens his eyes, the storm, it just dies. But then the phrase, it's all right. Everything will be okay. Just hold tight. I'll be with you the whole way. When you're weak, I'll be strong. Keep going. We're almost home now. For me, home can mean two things. One, it can mean I'm moving through something and I'm going to be okay. I just need to trust God with this and not be afraid and reactive and fall into destructive patterns of behavior that aren't going to bring any good just to cover my pain and my fear <coughs> foolishly but I'm going to trust God that he's going to take me home through this thing. But the other way, and the way I was looking at it, was like the Lord was saying to me, you know what, in this life, it's like a journey across the sea. And someone like me, most of my journey's behind me. Still have some left, don't know where, where it's, how long it's going to be to the other side, but someday, I'm going home. In the meantime, there's going to be some storms I'm going to have to work through. I'm going to be okay with that because he's with me. I need to remember that it's going to be okay. It's going to, one thing, it's going to be okay because someday I'm going to be, I am going to be okay. And so are you. But in the meantime, he's got words for us and a way for us to move through things. So, uh, oh, and by the way, the song's tender, it's beautiful. I'm hoping, don't be, please, don't be, receive this word because there's sometimes a song can take something and make it, I don't know, maybe it's the way God made us, but we're created that there's a power in melody that sometimes breaks us down or hits us in a way that words alone couldn't. So anyway, receive this as a closing prayer, a word of strength and encouragement, like God's saying, I'm with you. All right? We're going to pray. We'll have our time of giving. We'll close out. But Lord, I want to thank you again for the privilege of being able to talk about your promises. I want to ask you to bless our closing song here, bless our time of giving, many of us seeking to honor you faithfully in this area as well. May we do it. I pray that you would just let your words settle into our hearts, remind us of the higher paths that you have for us, the better way. You're the one who calms the storms. Keep our heart calm in you. Pray for your blessing. Pray for your word over, over this, this song. May it, may it be beautiful words for us. In Jesus' name, amen.